Great. Turn in your Bibles again then to Psalm 18. And as we begin, uh, let me pray. Lord, um, we love you, Lord, our strength. And we do pray that we would be able to say by the end of our worship of you today that all that thrills our soul is Jesus. Please speak to our hearts, Lord Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Right now, most of Psalm 18 is in the Bible twice. Uh, some of you will remember our midweek meetings uh, a while ago, beginning of this year, I think, when we looked at uh, 2 Samuel 22 in our kind of survey of the life of David. And that Psalm of David, it was given at the end of his life, although he probably wrote it earlier. Uh, and Matthew Henry, the, the kind of Puritan uh, pastor, says, uh, speaking of uh, Psalm uh, 22, sorry, two, excuse me, 2 Samuel 22 and Psalm 18, he says, uh, that was the first edition of it, and here we have it revived, altered a little, and fitted for the service of the church. And so almost as it is as if the, the personal poem of David in 2 Samuel 22 has been gathered together in the Psalms ready for public worship, and it, it has become Psalm number 18. But in that transfer from personal poem to public hymn, one phrase has been added. Verse 1. Verse 1 is, is, is not in 2 Samuel 22. Verse 1, that says, I love you, Lord, my strength. That is the main, if not only, I'm not sure, uh, change between Psalm 18 and 2 Samuel 22. And it is this one verse that we'll look at today. So something a little different, just looking at one verse. And what we'll look at is what, why, whom, and some application at the end. So first section then, what, the love that we're talking about. I love you. What is this love? Well, the word used is, is quite a rare word in, in, in the Hebrew Bible. Um, but I, I think to try and kind of convey it across, it, it's, it's a warm love. It's a, there's a warmth to the love. Maybe you could say it's, it's a hearty love, you know, uh, warm like some hearty soup on a winter's day. That's the kind of feeling in your guts uh, that this love is. It's a warm, hearty love. Maybe to say something like, I heartily love you. Indeed, when, when, Ma uh, when Martin Luther was translating this psalm, instead of just saying the German equivalent of, I love you, he, he said, yeah, something like, I, I heartily love you. Or, I have a hearty love for you, God, my strength. So Martin Luther there trying to convey something by adding this, or the German equivalent of this hearty, hearty love. I heartily love you. Uh, I quite like, though, um, a phrase from William Tyndale. William Tyndale was the first guy to translate uh, the Bible from the original languages into English. Uh, I, I don't think he actually got to the Psalms, but if you read his writings, he's a phrase he uses quite a lot, which is, from the low bottom of the heart, from the low bottom of the heart. It's, I, th I think it captures something going on there. So it is as if David is saying, I love you from the low bottom of my heart. And that's the title of this sermon, from the low bottom of my heart. Uh, it's a bit funny, but I think it captures something of the, 
the feeling behind this word. We, we say love you, like I said in the children's talk, for many things. But here this we're talking about a deep, a deep relational love. It is warm. It is hearty. It is from the low bottom of my heart. So that is the love. I love you, Lord, my strength. And what is the cause of this love? The cause of this love is deliverance. Look at the title um, for the director of music of David, the servant of the Lord. He sang the words, sorry, he sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, I love you, Lord, my strength. And so David here, he's been saved. He's been rescued. He's been delivered. It is a life and death situation. He was facing death. He was on the brink. And the Lord delivered him, snatched him up out of the waters. I wonder if any of you here today have been in a, a life and death situation. Uh, to to contemplate that, to try and see the kind of love that David has uh, in in response to it. I don't think I have ever been in a situation where my life was in in peril, in immediate danger. But the closest, as I was trying to think this through, the closest I maybe got was was when Eliana was born. Um, Eliana took a long time to be born. In the end, it ended up being a C-section, as I think you all know. And the... um, I don't know if she's a doctor or a med- medical person. I mean, I won't say her name because some of you know her, but the, the, the lady who in the end performed that C-section for us and, and, and did the whole, whole um, thing for us, I, I could not tell you how grateful I am for her. Uh, I saw her and I've seen her a number of times since. I always say, I'm so grateful. And she always says, I'm just doing my job. You know, I just did my job. But I, I don't care. I am, I am so grateful for the person who helps deliver Eliana that th- this, this lady could, could ask for any favor and I'd be more than willing to give it. That this is the kind of gratefulness, the love I have for her, because the closest thing that, well, it wasn't even me, but maybe Swanee got to a life and death situation. This lady got us out of it, and we actually got uh, Eliana as well. So double life. But to, to see the kind of love that emerges from the gratefulness of deliverance, I was on the brick and you brought me out. Or my, my wife was on the brink and you brought her out. That's the kind of love that, is, uh, that has come. And that's the cause. It's that, that deliverance. And it's similar for us uh, Christianly, if you like. Uh, David's enemy here was, was his enemies and Saul. Saul, the, the king before him, who tried to kill him many, many times. But Saul is nothing compared to the enemies that we have faced and 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 do face, uh, sometimes they get nicknamed the unholy trinity, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, all the enemies that we as Christians face. Think about Satan. Uh, think about uh, he he is so much worse than Saul. He is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit at work in the sons of disobedience. Uh, Luther, in his well-known hymn, says calls him the prince of darkness grim. He's a grim prince of darkness. But do you know how that line continues? The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. Right, because why his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure one little word shall fell him. Satan is was our terrifying, grim enemy. 
but now we do not tremble for him. For one little word from the Lord will fell him, will lay him down flat. Consider another enemy of ours that we've been delivered from, sin and its guilt. The consequences of sin that were hanging over our head. The wrath of God. Think, have you ever been angry for a not completely selfish reason? Most of the time I'm angry, it is because I'm being selfish. But occasionally, there is something more than just selfishness in my anger. And again, going back to Eliana, she's clearly the source of all my uh, illustrations today. I have never been more angry since Eliana was born. Not because she drives me nuts, although occasionally she does, but because there are now situations where something might pose a threat to Eliana. Maybe it's a dog that's barking loudly, or maybe there's just some other circumstance that, um, that, that in my mind causes a threat to Eliana. And I have never been more angry. Before, before we had Eliana, I didn't know that I could be so angry. But suddenly my great love for Eliana causes such great anger that I did not know I had. And, and consider then the anger that God has against sin and sinners. William uh, Tyndale, again, uses the, uh, con- considers the idea of a poisonous snake. We hate a poisonous snake, not actually for the snake itself, but because of the poison that is in it and for the evil that is in the snake. And in a similar way, the wrath of God, the anger of God directed towards us is not because God actually hates us himself, but because we have been infected by the poison of sin and we are hurting ourselves and hurting others. This is the anger that was hanging over our heads, like the sword of Damocles, if you like, ready to drop in just a moment. And what's happened? Well, you know the story. Christ took that anger. Now, if you consider that anger that maybe you're talking about, the, 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 the not-so-selfish anger that you have experienced, that pure anger coming from love, you know how white-hot it is. And that is the anger that Christ has taken for us. That was the anger directed us, but that's what he took on the cross. He took our place. This was God's, the Father's anger at sin, God the Son's anger of sin, at sin, and God the Holy Spirit's anger at sin, and Christ took it on himself, all of it. That is what we have been delivered from. And then lastly, maybe consider death itself. Death itself. You cannot go through life and not hate death. It is constantly around us. And it will always constantly catch up with us. And one day, death will be no more. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And we will be delivered from death. And so when we consider then what we have been delivered from, Satan, we tremble not for him. Sin and its guilt and the wrath of God and death itself. Maybe we can then start to feel in our hearts those words, I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you from the low bottom of my heart, O Lord. Third section then, whom? Who do we love? What is the object of of our love? 
And that is the point. It is not a what do we love, but it is a who do we love. We love a person. We love a person. We love the Lord. Now, there is a sense in which it would have been maybe okay for David to have said something like, I love your deliverance, Lord. It might have been okay to say that if indeed he had loved his salvation for God's sake. That is, if he had loved the fact that he had been delivered as fuel for his love to God. Yeah? But that so often that is not how we treat God's gifts. That is not how we treat uh, the deliverance. We take the gifts and we forget the giver. We treat God like Santa Claus. We just want the presents. Listen to what Augustine says. Augustine has a wonderful phrase. He says, For anyone who loves something less, sorry, let me start again. For anyone who loves something else along with you, but does not love it for your sake, loves you less. Let me say that again. Anyone who loves something else along with you, but does not love it for your sake, loves you less. But here we see David loving God for his own sake. It's not, God, I like you, but I also love these other things and these other things and these other things. And suddenly my love becomes divided on all the things I love. Yeah, God is just one of the many things I love. No, Augustine is saying we, we can have other things to love as long as we love them for God's sake. Because if there are things that are equal to God in our loves, well, then suddenly God gets a small portion of our love. We suddenly love God less. And the question for us Christians is, is, is what is it like for us? We, we really need to love God for his own sake. Let me try and illustrate this another way. Um, uh, some of you will know, I went to a private school, and in private school, there are lots of uh, rich kids there, or rather kids of rich parents. And it's funny, um, in private school, you see a particular kind of neglect. Normally, when you think about neglect, you might think of kids wearing the same clothes for multiple days and not having breakfast. There's a bizarre, different kind of neglect that you see in private schools, which is where some of the kids of the richest parents would always have the latest iPhone, but they would have no relationship with their parents. For them, they would just call and say, hey, dad, can I have the new iPhone? Can I have the new trainers? Can I have whatever it might be? And so then they would get all this stuff from their parents, but actually their, their parents had no relationship to them. And so you'd have these kids with the, the latest Apple products or whatever it might be, with no relationship to their parents. N none at all. And, and, and is that sometimes like us, but spiritually speaking? Hey God, can I have this? Hey God, can I have that? Hey God, can you just forgive that sin, please? Hey God, can you help me? I've got a really hard day today. But we actually have no relationship with the God who is behind. Now, in, 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 for the Christian life, it is not like we have an absentee father who just sends us off to boarding school. No, we have a loving heavenly father who is intimately acquainted with all our ways and loves us deeply, deeply, deeply. For us, the question is, are we treating God like a rich absent father or like the loving, cherishing heavenly father that he is, that he truly, truly is? 
Can we say, I love you, Lord? And he says, I love you, Lord, my strength. You see, to help us truly say, I love you, Lord, we, need, we should think about what the Lord is and, and who he is. So what the Lord has done and who he is. Yes, he's delivered us, but who is he? He is our strength. So do you see how David, when he starts thinking about the Lord, suddenly thinks of all the different things he is? Stuart T uh, Townend, in the song we sung at the beginning, for the chorus, he just wanted to just list off names and titles of God to help um, inculcate, to help stir up love and affection for the God that we are serving. Beautiful Savior, wonderful Counselor. And I forget the rest of the words, but you can look them up later. Yeah. The Lord is lovely. The Lord is lovable. He is our strength. Consider him. Consider Jesus and stir up that affection for the Lord. You see, our past is covered by our deliverance and our present and our future is covered by God being our strength. God covers with his strength our past, present, and future. Uh, it reminds me of the hymn, uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness. After we say pardon for sin, that deliverance in the past, if you like, we then sing strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000s beside. But notice that this, in that song, we don't stay on the blessings. We then go, but great is your faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. We love a person. A person. I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you from the low bottom of my heart. And so then lastly, then let's consider the application. Why? Why was verse one added to this psalm? We mentioned at the beginning how, uh, you know, in, in the transfer from, say, the private devotion to the public worship, it was added, whether by David um, or by another compiler. I don't think it matters too much. But it is if someone, say the director of music, has added these words as a response. They've read Psalm 18 like we did earlier. And they've added, mm, I love you, Lord, my strength. Uh, one way to think about it might be this. Um, in some Christian traditions with more formal liturgies, after reading out the Psalms, you say what is called the Gloria Patri. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. After every Psalm, when you read that, you say that glory to the Father, glory to the Trinity. And maybe it's one way of saying, instead of that, the director of, the music, of music looked at the Psalm and added, his different liturgical response, which was, I love you, Lord, my strength. As if it is a, a liturgical response for the church to say together. Maybe another way to think about it, uh, often uh, English translations add chapter headings. Um, so, for example, uh, uh, in the ESV, you don't, NIV doesn't do it for the Psalms, but the ESV for, for this Psalm, I think, you, you can tell me if I'm wrong, has uh, as, its, as its heading, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. Yeah, that, that's what the ESV um, editors thought would be a fitting uh, a heading for this psalm. 
But maybe it's as if the divinely inspired chapter heading for Psalm 18 is, I love you, Lord, my strength. However you look at it, these words were added upon reflection of this psalm. And so do you see what depths of relational intimacy are waiting for you if you take a moment to reflect on how God has delivered you? Or maybe for some of you, how God can deliver you. Do you get a, get a sense of that personal reality waiting for you when you encounter and meditate on Jesus? Most of us will have a, you know, a close friend, a sibling, a spouse or someone who, when we reflect on him and her, we realize how grateful we are for them. And we, and we consider just how much we actually really do love them, you know. And that, if that is just for a human friend, um, you know, for, for, for my wife or, or for a friend and so on, how much more than for the Lord, who is loveliness itself? So reflect on Jesus, respond to who he is and what he has done with these words. I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you from the low bottom of my heart. Let me pray. Lord, we love you. We love you from the low bottom of our hearts. And please would you stir up the affection of you in our hearts for those of us here whose hearts are cold, whose hearts are hurting. Please help us to reflect on you, to reflect on what you've done, to reflect on Psalm 18 to the point where with the help of your Holy Spirit we can truly say, I love you, Lord, my strength. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We now come to sing.